All right, take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter number 1. All right, good evening. All right, Romans chapter 1. I want to talk to you tonight about finding your calling and your purpose. And every single one of you have one of those. You, you probably don't know what it is yet, and you may not know what it is for the next 10 or 15 years. I don't know. Some of you look smarter than others. Some of you look smarter than others. See how that works? Was that, uh, did anybody miss that? Uh, when I was, uh, I guess, about 15 or 16, you know, they had science class in high school where you don't learn much about anything. But one thing they did tell us was that girls mature faster than boys. And I took that challenge accepted. If, uh, the boys, if they say, I'm a better basketball player than you, then you're going to spend extra time shooting hoops this week. If, if I say I'm a better football player than you, you're going to be out in your backyard practicing with the football. If I say I can beat you at Madden, you'll be spending extra time on Madden. Uh, but when they say girls advance faster than boys, guys just kind of sit there and look. But challenge accepted, right? You're going you're gonna to do more and better to be uh, more mature, right? And find your calling and your purpose, right? Amen. Amen. I hope that you will. And that's what we're going to talk about. And, that, and uh, the same challenge goes to you ladies. I, hope, I really hope that you will spend more time finding your calling and your purpose. I know uh, the things that uh, affect boys, young men, and young ladies are different. Uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, society puts different pressures on men, young men and young women to, to behave in certain ways. But I'm here tonight basically to challenge you to find out what God wants you to do with your life and do it. And do it with all your heart. Purpose. Now listen, uh, I really want to change the way that we preach to teenagers and the way we act towards teenagers as far as the church is concerned. I don't know how much effect that I can have on the church as a whole, but I know what kind of an effect that I can have on this church. And I can tell you as young people, I don't know, some of you in here might be as old as 20, and some of you might be as young as 12 or 13 years old, but I can tell you this, the purpose of your Christian life is not for you to keep yourself from smoking cigarettes. The purpose of your Christian life is not to keep you away from pornography. All those things are bad, you shouldn't do them, that shouldn't be a part of your life. But God's purpose for you is not for you to focus your life on keeping yourself from things. God's purpose of, in your life is, to, is for you to focus on God, what, what God wants you to do and to emphasize those things in your own life. And there is nothing more liberating. And I know that that's the thing that every teenager wants. A teenager wants liberty. They want their mom and dad to have to tell them what to do less and less. And each age, each year that you add, that's going to become more important to you. And it rightly should. When you get 15 or 16 years old, you ought to be told less and less what to do than you were when you were 12. I mean, you ought to be a little more mature. And you ought to always keep it in your mind that if my mom is 30 and I'm 15, she obviously knows more than I do. And that's true. That is true. But that, should not, that shouldn't keep us from recognizing in our own mind that we do have a purpose that we do have a calling and that the more we focus on what that calling uh, of God is for us, the less time we'll have to do other things that are distractive, destructive, and all those things, everything that you can think of that any preacher's ever told you, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. And let me say this, those preachers that, that tell you on a constant basis, this is bad and that's bad and this is bad and that's bad, it's true, those things are bad. It is wisdom and will worship to stay away from things. It's a good, smart thing to stay away 
from bad things. But the purpose of your life is not to touch not and taste not and handle not. The purpose of your life is not to get through 70 years without smoking. That is not the purpose of your life. I hope none of you ever do. If you're already doing it, I hope you quit. Because it will be to your benefit. Uh, The purpose of your life is not to get through 70 years without having ever seen pornography. Some of you may have already seen it. I hope you'll quit that. I hope you'll get something worthy in your mind to spend your time on and to spend your efforts on and something profitable that you can spend your time on that will give you satisfaction in life rather than something to occupy just occupy your time. And that's what habits do. They occupy your, their, your time. They occupy your finances. They occupy your attention. And that's about all they do for you. None of those pleasures gained from smoking a joint, uh, smoking weed, smoking marijuana, whatever whatever terminology they use for that kind of stuff in this day of time. All that does, it's, it's a... It's a uh, a two-minute action that has, you know, ten minutes worth of pleasure or uh, whatever that you're seeking out of something like that, and then it's over and done. It's it's not going to satisfy you, and so it's something that you're just uh, occupying your time with. When there is something, uh, there's a couple of things in life. You can occupy your time, or you can occupy your life. Uh, What little time you spend doing whatever it is you want to do today, you're going to wake up tomorrow and that's going to be gone. Yesterday is going to be gone. And if what you did yesterday didn't produce something, knowledge, profit, uh, advancement in your life, then yesterday was wasted. And I I would like to see a group of young people who spend their days, who spend their time right now today in something that will benefit you tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. The Bible simply calls that wisdom and you can have as much of it as you want. You can be, your mom and dad can be poor like mine were. We grew up poor and we didn't have much. We didn't have much expectation of, of having, you know, uh, Jordans to wear to school and, and uh, they didn't have PlayStations back then, but they had Ataris. I, I, didn't, I, I never expected that I was going to wake up one morning and, and be able to play Tecmo Bowl like everybody did in the 80s. That just wasn't in our, in our possibilities. But as a teenager, I did spend a lot of time wishing I had Jordans. And wishing I had parachute pants, which you can go home and Google that if you want to, uh, if you don't know what those things are. I spent a lot of times, a lot of time wishing that I had the stuff that all the other kids had. But you know that that wishing never profited me uh, one time. All it did was set my mind in a state where uh, it was used to or it was addicted to wishing for things that I didn't have. And that'll, that'll go a long ways to distract you. And the one thing that you can do in as, as an alternative for that is look around at the things that you do have and use those to your advantage. Use those to your profit. Use those in a way that will uh, help you not only today, it'll not only pass your time today, but when you wake up in the morning, it's going to be right there for you. Now, I don't have a million dollars, and I don't have a lot of the finer things, and the stuff that I do have, it's not really fine things, but it's well-maintained things that I can still use. But what I'm trying to get across to you is the finest thing that I have is my calling to preach. It may not be pleasing to your ears, but it's pleasing to God because it's what He called me to do. And uh, I may do a terrible job at it today, but when I wake up tomorrow, I'll still have my calling. Today, won't, today will not have been wasted. Yesterday will not have been wasted. Because I did what God wanted me to do today. Uh, I may not preach in such a way that you'll be shouting and running around the building. And, and oh, a time we can all remember. But if I do what God tells me to do, then you'll hear it. You'll be accountable to God for it. And when I wake up in the morning, I'll still be called to preach and I'll still have a purpose. And I could say this, I could totally mess this up tonight. And by the time I get done speaking, you could be totally bored and ask Brother Mike after service, please don't ask the assistant pastor to ever preach any of our meetings again, which will ensure that I will. (laughs) Uh, But listen, 
I could totally ruin it and you could never want to hear me preach again, but tomorrow I will still have my calling. Because it's something that I didn't take upon myself. It's something that God called me to do. Now let's look, with that introduction, let's look in Romans chapter 1. And let's read verse, well let's read from verse 1 so it kind of makes sense to you. We'll take our text out of verse 6 and 7. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afford by his prophets in the holy scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship. We, you normally hear about the word apostle or apostleship when you think about Paul or Peter or James. The word apostle just means to be sent. And really, I, I think it's a great thing to be sent. If, uh, if, if my wife sent me to the store, that may not seem like a big thing, but she could have sent somebody else. I don't know, you're not married, you don't understand what that's all about, but one day you will, you know, uh, if, uh, God forbid that you do, but if some of you boys have girlfriends, or if some of you girls have boyfriends, and God forbid that you do, especially if your last name is, is the same as mine, uh, <laughs> Uh, but if you found out that uh, she or he was asking somebody else to carry their books or go buy them a, a Slurpee from whoever sells Slurpees these days, uh, it would be kind of, uh, of, of, a, of a drag. It'd be a letdown for you to find out that somebody that you uh, cared a lot about was asking somebody else to meet their needs, to do something for them. So this apostleship thing, to be sent, to be sent by God is a great thing. To be sent. Listen, if somebody's going to preach, guess who I want it to be? Well, that's selfish, Brother Mike. Okay, pray for me. <laughs> but if somebody's going to preach, guess who wants to do it? Me. Now, I don't, uh, I don't, I never call other preachers and say, hey, can I come preach for you? I just don't do it that way. I, I don't go to our pastor and say, hey, can I preach tonight? I really have something on my mind. I don't do that. I take the opportunities as they come. But if somebody's going to be sent, Hey, me. I wish I was alive in Jonah's day. I think that's the theme of this week's. Uh, I mean, if I would have found out Jonah was heading the other way, I would have said, Hey, God, <laughs> you don't got to swallow me with no whale. <laughs> but I'd be the one to do it because it's a good thing and a great thing to be sent by God. Uh, there's a lot of people who won't want the, the task and the duty. And sometimes it can be difficult when you've got to look at people and say, Hey, you're an idiot. You may not come out and say it directly like that. Some people have a much more subtle approach. But when I think of subtlety, I think of the devil. So I'd rather not go that route. So, so I, choose, I choose to do the direct route. And it doesn't get you a lot of fans and followers and stuff like that. The direct route that just doesn't do that. But we're not here for fans and followers. We're actually here for the one that sent us and for the one that called us. That apostleship thing, uh, there's apostles to the Lamb, you can never be one of those. There's an apostle to the Gentiles, you can never be him. That's Paul the Apostle. But you can be sent by God. And in fact, you don't know it yet, but God has already planned out your life and He's already armed you to do everything. Now there will be a future arming. There will be uh, lots of things that you have to learn. There will be lots of things that you'll have, lots of areas in your life you'll have to mature in. That's just the facts of life. I wish you were full grown, fully mature already so that you could do whatever it is that the Lord leads you to do on a daily basis, but you're just not. And the sooner you accept that and let the fact uh, that Somebody still has to tell you what to do on a regular basis. Let that be acceptable rather than a source of bitterness. The happier you'll be. And it'll, when, when your mom says, Hey, Georgie! You're oh man, what now? That's usually the response of a teenager when their mom hollers their name. When your mom hollers your name, you'll be just as happy to say, Here am I as Abraham was, or as the, any of the prophets were when the Lord said, who can I send? Uh, the right man for the job would usually pipe up and say, here am I. That'd be a great attitude for people to have. And you just got to realize that you've got callings. God has already given you gifts. God has already gave you abilities that 
a lot of people that you know don't have. You have them because God gave it to you. He, God gave you the gift to be able to act in, in whatever uh, uh, capacity you need to act within the group that God puts you in. You're not here by a mistake. I, I, I don't believe that at all. I believe that God puts uh, people where He wants them and I believe it's a very rare case that God takes somebody from one place and sends them far away. I believe, I believe that God knows what He's doing. I believe that God knows what He's doing by putting you here and I believe that God knows what He'd do if He'd take one of you and send you to North Carolina or North Korea. I don't know where God will send you in your life, but I know this. You've already got some of the, the traits that God will use. And, and you will learn as you grow up that some of the traits you have now are actually gifts from God. But let's look and read verse 6 and 7. He says in verse 6 and 7, "...among whom are ye also the called..." Of Jesus Christ. You're called. Verse number 7. Verse number 6 tells you that you're called. Verse number 7 tells you what you're called to do. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Just remember it says that you're called to be saints. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to preach. I pray now, God, that you would help me. I do believe, oh God, that I've already uh, maybe said more in the introduction than I'll have to say in the actual preaching of the sermon itself, but I do pray for wisdom that you'd uh, show me what to say, help me in my heart and in my mind, God, to say what's right and beneficial to these folks. God, these are not just teenagers, these are people. And for the most part, I believe these are people who have trusted you as their Savior. If not, I pray, oh God, that you would... Help each and every one of them that's lost to recognize that uh, without Christ they have no purpose. And that every purpose that they'll apply themselves to in this life, God, will uh, lead to nothing but heartache and, and, uh, and sorrow and regret without you as the main purpose in their life. And I pray, God, that you'd help us that way tonight. Get glory and honor to your own name. Confirm your word, God, in the hearts of these people. And I'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray it. Amen. Amen. So you're called and you're called to be saints. So so let me just tell you uh, right quick what a saint is. A saint is a sanctified person. Now we're going to have to define sanctified, ain't we? But we'll get to that in just a second. A saint is a sanctified person with piety. and Now piety is a bad word in this modern era. Uh, being pious. That means, and even Baptists don't like this term, pious means that you act like you believe. If you believe in modesty, then pious would be you walking around modest. If you believe in honesty, piety would mean that you tell the truth. Now oftentimes, because we're people, we believe in honesty, but we tell lies. Now, uh, the better part of your life from now on will be spent practicing not telling lies because... You believe in honesty. Now, who here believes in just telling lies all the time? Just tell lies. When nobody's going to raise their hand and admit that. Hey, I'm a big liar. <laughs> I'm a big, fat, big fat liar over here. We don't usually admit that kind of things, but we all tell lies. The Bible says that all men are liars. You know why it says that, right? Because all men are liars. That's why we said that. But the uh, a sanctified person is a person with piety and virtue. He has strength. And that strength is what virtue means strength. And that virtue is what allows him to tell the truth when it would be easier to lie. And the act of being honest over and over is part of his piety. He's pious. He, she dresses right. He dresses right. He, he acts right. He does the right thing. He, he's honest. So when people would look at you, they would say, that guy's a religious fanatic. All he really means is that's just a, a modern, secular way of saying he or she is pious. And some people might choose to say like, well, he's just a holier than thou. He thinks he's better than everybody else. No, he just thinks he serves a better God than you serve in your life. And that's all that that is. One of the things you'll have to learn if you're going to be used by God is to, is to accept ridicule from those who don't believe like you. That's just, whether you're 
25 or 12, it makes no difference. Uh, people who are not doing the right thing are very immature when they see somebody who is doing the right thing. It's a self-preservation, a self-preservation mechanism. Uh, if a girl sees another girl that's pretty, she goes, look at that floozy. She doesn't really mean nothing personal by that. All she means is, you're prettier than me. It's self-preservation. If a, if a guy uh, sees you've got bigger muscles than he does, he's going to be like, well, that guy is probably taking steroids or something. Uh, and if, if a guy sees another guy riding a motorcycle, he'll say, well, that's not a Harley Davidson. If you're 16 and you've already saved up enough money to buy a car and it's a beat-up old Honda Civic, somebody's going to laugh at you because it's not a Corvette. But the only reason they're laughing is because their mom is still taking them to the mall and to the grocery store. That, that's where that's, It's not personal. It's, self, it's self-preservation. And so one thing that I would get across to you tonight is find out what God wants you to do and do it and then just understand that ridicule is going to come for serving God just like it is for uh, driving a beat-up car or walking to school or whatever, whatever it is that people are ridiculing you for. It's just immaturity. And it's the person's problem who's doing the ridiculing. It's, it's them that have the problem. It's not you. Especially if you're doing what God called you to do. You have a, a calling. God has called you to do something. And that, uh, the, the, word saint, the word saint, God's called you to be a saint, that means a person that's sanctified. And that just simply means this. We'll put it in, in very simple terms and we'll move on. Is that God has a purpose for you. When God saved you, God has a purpose. He has a plan for you. It may not be to be a pastor. I'm not trying to get everybody in the all the boys to answer the call to preach and all the girls. I mean, some people measure their youth group standards by that. If I can get all the boys to answer the call to preach and all the girls to dedicate themselves to marry missionaries, then, not, but no, 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 no. All you have to do is find out what God has gifted you to do and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this without any hesitation. If you can find out what you're gifted to do, then you can, cert- you can be 99% certain that that's what God has called you to do. There's no question about that in my mind at all. Uh, the, the word calling itself, listen, the word calling itself is a great word. He said, you're the called of Jesus Christ. And then in the next verse he says that you're called to be saints. Now that's a great word in and of itself because, listen, I can look around all this room here and I can have an important task. There's something that I need doing. And let's see, let's see, let's see. I want Chris to do it. Now don't you know that's singling out Chris there? It may, it may be a big job. And he'll have to be careful how he done it. But you know, I could have chose somebody else. And so the word calling, is it's not just saying... It's, most people present Christianity this way. All you people were going to hell. And so now you better find out what God expects of you and do it. Or else God's going to hit you with lightning bolts because you're not doing it. And... In extreme cases, that may be true. If you run far from God, God does have a whale somewhere that will swallow you. That is certainly a truth. But the fact that God calls us to do things actually gets you involved in it. And so it's not that I'm going to say, Hey Chris, you do this job that I have for you to do and do it right or else. A calling is actually something we say, Chris, I could use any of these boys to do the job I have in mind for you but would you please do it would you do it would you do it right would you make sure it's done correctly that's a whole different ball game than just do this or I'm going to hit you with a lightning bolt a calling is a wonderful thing Uh, a calling is something that you should take responsibility for you should endeavor to find out what it is. You should want to do it as, as, as well as can be done. But you should also realize that this is what God's allowing me to do by His grace. And it is, uh, for lack of a better uh, terminology, this is my purpose. 
without doing this, my life could be utterly empty. And I think as teenagers, you're all thoroughly familiar uh, with, because many of you don't know what your purpose in life, many, many teenagers spend a lot of their teenage years in loneliness and with regret and with a feeling that that feeling that you've got that you can't quite define what it is is the absence of a purpose and I can tell you that wholeheartedly and I can tell you this if you have a purpose it makes up for when other kids don't like you absolutely when you have a purpose it kind of eases the pressure when somebody says those are silly looking shoes you have on people People are rude enough to do that. To, I've, already, I've already heard her feelings. But pe- people are just that ruthless and heartless that they will say something to you and you'll spend three weeks trying to figure out in your mind, why does everybody hate me? Why does nobody care about me? Uh, your dad's got a 50-hour job a week. And they're, listen, there are many teenagers who are sitting in their basements or in their living room wondering, I mean, they don't understand, you don't understand, I'm talking to you, teenagers, you don't understand why dad doesn't spend more time with me, or, and perhaps they should. But you've also got to understand that your mom and dad have a purpose, one of which is putting fried chicken in your belly. That takes time, it takes money. Putting shoes on your back and uh, uh, no, no, shoes on your feet (laughs) and clothes on your back. That takes time and effort. It certainly does. But see, little minds, and I I shouldn't say little because no, no teenage. You're not little. I understand that. The teenage mind often interprets the lack of somebody else's recognition as loneliness, rejection, uh, even neglect. You'll interpret it that way. But I can tell you this, once you find what God's purpose for you is, it will erase a lot of that. So what if somebody thinks my shoes look silly? So what if somebody doesn't like the clothes that I wear? So what if I'm overweight? So what if I'm ugly? So what if I'm underweight? So what? God has a purpose for me, and God called me just the way that I am. Just the way that... And if... And we could, we should all, we should never really get in that. We should never get stuck in that. Just the way that I am mentality. There are improvements that need to be made. There are changes that needs to be made. But you'll never find a better source for those changes that need to be made in your life than applying those changes to the purpose. Once you find what God's purpose for you is the changes that you need to make in your life will be obvious because those changes will help you perform your purpose easier. You don't know what changes you ought to make. The preacher knows, your youth pastor knows what changes you need to make in your life, but you don't realize it, and there's where the conflict comes in. You're in conflict with your mother or your father or your pastor Because he sees the changes you need to make, but you don't see them. Because you're living according to style and fashion and popularity and things that young minds think about. When you change that to where you're thinking about your daily purpose, you'll see those changes that you need to make just as clearly as other folks do. It's it's not a 35-year-old mind that sees changes that need to be made. 35-year-old minds don't see those changes easier than 16-year-old minds do. It's minds with a purpose that see those things clearly. And you could be... Uh, I mean, if you look at people like... Make sure she's not in here. Tory. Here's another illustration. Some of you know him, some of you don't. Nathan Irie. They were calling Nathan Irie an old man when he was 19. Because he was mature beyond his years... And when you talk to him as a 19-year-old man, you would think, I'm talking to a 35, 40-year-old man here. The reason that is is because he already knew his purpose. And now that he's somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 years old, he's more advanced than some people that are 40 and 50 and even 60 years old because he got a start right about the time he was your age. 
that's not to say he never made a mistake or he never done anything immature. It's not to say that he won't steal. It's just say it's just to say that he was able to handle his teenage years and the problems that come with it a lot better because he knew his purpose. He knew his calling. And I believe that a calling is is a great thing, as I've said. It, it gives you a sense of purpose. And my goal tonight is to get you to discover, and not just discover what your purpose is, but invest the rest of your life in it. Uh, I can spend the next uh, 10 years, of, this is what you're saying in your mind, what you ought to be saying in your mind. I can spend the next 10 years of my life trying to improve my jump shot, find a rich man to marry, Start my own business. Hey, you ladies can start your own business and all that stuff. Uh, maybe you want to go in the NBA. I don't know. Uh, you could be trying to improve your jump shot for the next 10 years. I don't know. But I would say this. That I think that would be a waste of time for you. I really do. I think recreation ought to be something just to pass the extra minutes if you get any extra minutes. But you could... Uh, you could spend the next 10 years trying to improve your jump shot or you could spend the next 10 years investing in your own life. <laughs> uh, I can tell you as one that's 50 years old, playing football and basketball really is only investing in a knee surgery down the road. <laughs> that's the way, it's fun. I still you know, do it in moderation myself. It's, it's great fun. But it's not, it's not your life. It's not your life. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm real good at basketball. Yeah, but you ain't six feet. <laughs> a lot of things go into consideration on those things. And listen, I wish you all the success in whatever you do in life. But I know this, the best thing you can do with your life is find out what God wants you to do. And invest your life in that. Now, with that said, look at verse 11. This was Paul's interest in doing what God wanted him to do. He said, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. And that's what we're trying to do here tonight is just to get you to think about what does God want me to do? What has God gifted me to do? And if I can invest my life in that from now on, I'll always have purpose. I'll, I'll have a more stable. He's talking about establishment in verse 11. You'll have a more stable ground to walk on. You won't be way up here one day, teenager. And way down here the next day, teenager, because I know that's how you live. You find a little bit of excitement in your life, you're way up here. And when that rubs off in a day or two, you'll be way down here, you'll be looking for something else. And that's what's wrong with a lot of 25 and 35 year olds. That's why they come to church and you see them for a couple of weeks. They're way up here. And then they're way down here. They think their purpose is to go to church and hear a great song or hear a great message. And what they find out is after a while, this is just life. It's a life in a fallen world. It's a life where people are not perfect. It's a life where people tell you lies. It's a life where people let you down. It's a life where people rarely meet your expectations. That's what this world is. And that's a drag. <laughs> Unless you recognize that God's purpose in your life is to take people that tells lies and help them become honest. When you find out that God's purpose for your life is to find people that are unstable and make them stable, then, then you don't see people as problems. You see people as, as opportunities for you to do something for God. Uh, it would be easy for me as a pastor if I'm pastoring a church and I find somebody that comes in and he's a terrible person and he's a liar and he's manipulative. It would be very easy to kick him out. But that, that kind of defeats the purpose of Jesus dying on the cross for everyone, doesn't it? Yeah. Now I can say, well, I can take this guy. He's manipulative. Manipulative, if I can say the word. If I can say the word, I can help him. Now I found out this guy's manipulative, and I can. I can now help him to be selfless. I can, I can help him to get the mindset to help others instead of help himself. And I can do that. I can do that. Uh, I may have to wait until I run across the situation before I can apply it. I may not be able to tell you how to do it, but I can do it. You say, why? Because God, as we learn to do what God's will is for us, He helps us to help others. He gives us the wisdom 
to apply things to individuals. It's easy to get up and preach to a whole bunch of people and say, this is what all y'all's problem is. It's a very different thing altogether to, to deal with an individual and find out what their need is. And that's what Paul says here. He says, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. Are you a little liar? A lot of teenagers are little liars. Well, it'd be very simple for me to stand up here and say, Oh, bless God, you better stop your lying. You better get up here on the altar and repent of that. It's easy to say that. And the person who's the liar in the congregation is going, Yeah, you can't make me. But I know the strategy. I know the strategy. You say, how do you know? Because I know what my purpose is. I've accepted. I've matured in it a few years. And, I, and Some people, you're not going to be able to make the change. But if a change is to be made, I know how to do it. I know how to do it. You say, why? Well, it's a mindset. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, some of these guys like, uh, you know, well, I won't call no names, but, uh, you know, you look at the things that some people can do, like some of these guys that play basketball in the gym, they can shoot three-pointers. Uh, you say, why? Because they matured in that. They set their mind to it. They started doing it. They do it on a regular basis. All of a sudden, they're like Michael Jordan or a few steps down, LeBron James or somebody like that. I mean... Uh, they, they may have different levels of ability, but their different level of ability, listen, their different level of ability coincides with how much time they've put into it. Amen. Uh, now, some of you, I can see it in your faces. You're ready and willing to have this conversation with me about who's better, James or Jordan. Shut up and get out. <laughs> oh wait, I can help you with that. <laughs> but but look here, uh, you. But th- that's what your mind has been consumed with. I can speak on that subject because your mind's been saturated with it. But when somebody comes to you after service, one of your friends, and says, "Hey, brother, so and so, sister, so and so, I've been struggling with this thing in my life." Oh, I'm not going to go talk to the preacher. Do you realize how many Christians do not go and talk to their preacher? They've got serious problems. But they will not go to the preacher because the main line of his message has been saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And you wouldn't dare go admit to him that you've been doing it because that's the main line of his message for the last 15 or 20 years. I do not want this man whose main message is don't do this to know that I've been doing this. But I'll tell you what, to one of you fellas here, he might come to you and say, I'm having this problem. The difference between you saying, well, you should go talk to the pastor and you saying, I can help you with that. Let's look at the scripture. The difference between those two options is knowing your purpose. Because I guarantee you, if you know your purpose, you've already been working on fine-tuning it. Just like that jump shot. You've been working on it because that's your purpose. And I can say this to all of you, uh, whether you're very gifted or not, your purpose is not to shoot a basketball through a hoop. That is not your purpose. Your purpose is not just to look good and attract some man. That is not your purpose. It's not it. It's not it. Now, I'm going to give you just... Two or three minutes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you're going to find your purpose, this is where you're going to find it at. This is where you're going to find it. I don't expect that, that next week, 10 of you boys and you know 12 of you girls will come in. So I've been called to the mission field because my response is going to be, no, you're not. You say, why? Because I know. That's why. I don't expect you to find your calling and your purpose overnight. And you shouldn't. You shouldn't expect to either. You, uh, there's going to be a lot of time. There's going to be a, a, a lot of prayer that goes into these things. But I, I can say this. I can say this. You can look at some of these things that God has taught. Uh, in Romans 1.11, He said, For I long to see you, that I might impart unto you some spiritual gift. God will gift you in a spiritual way to where... Eventually, after you realize what your gift is and you're using that gift, 
it'll become just as clear as day to you. This is what God's called me to do. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 1, first of all. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. God don't want you to be ignorant about the spiritual things that, he, that He's gifted you to do. Now, come back down in verse number 4. And it says a few things about gifts. It tells you a few of the gifts that God gives men. And these are not, uh, God might have given these gifts, but God gave me the gift to think up plays. No, 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 no. Uh, God might have given all these other people these gifts, but God gave me new and, and, and inventive ways to, uh, to get the gospel. No, 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 no. These are the gifts. These are the gifts that God gives men. Now you can certainly go through the Scripture and find more than these, but this is just a starting point. And what I want you to do, whether you read your Bible tonight or in the morning, whatever you do, read these things and look at them and say, don't say, now God, I don't remember what Brother Mike said these were. Listen, I'm just the messenger tonight. What I want you to do when you read this passage at home is say, God, what does this mean? What does this mean to me? What does this mean? And if you've been praying that for 10 years and, that, and God hasn't spoken to your heart about a diversity of tongues, just read on past it. You understand? But when God speaks to you about these things, you'll know it. You'll know it. Absolutely, you'll know it. Now, if, if a flesh and blood preacher can get up here and say a few things to you and you'll go five minutes without responding to anything, but that one thing strikes a chord, you know I'm talking to you. And it's the same way with God. It's the same way with God. Now look what it says in verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. I'm glad for that diversity. That's one of the things that this world's crazy about this day, this day and time. Diversity, diversity. Well, God has diversity as well. And the thing that you're doing isn't the thing that she has to do. And you don't have to worry your head about the fact that you're doing what God wants you to do and nobody else in the youth group is doing it. Because God, if you read from verse number 12 to verse number 31 in this same chapter, it'll tell you that every person in this youth group, every person in our church has their own calling from God. They're going to be very similar. But you don't have to be a clone of Brother Mike. You don't have to be a clone of Brother David. You boys don't have to be clones of one another. You girls don't have to be a clone of one another. You don't have to have the same disposition. You don't have to have the same calling. You all don't have to go to visitation on the same day. You do not have to be clones of one another. God is not trying to steal your individuality. He's trying to supercharge it. Amen? Amen. And you ought to remember that all your days because you ought never to be emotionally worn out because you're not living up to one another's expectation except in this is that we expect you to do right. And you should expect one another to do right. Amen? Well, look what he says here. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. The same, the same God that helped, the same Spirit that helps me preach or witness be the same Spirit that God helps you to do whatever it is that God wants you to do. Uh, in other passages, there's something as simple as helps. Well, that's very descriptive, isn't it? Uh, listen, if all God wants you to do is be a help, to other people, that same spirit that helps me preach, whether it's good or bad, will help you to, to help one another. And whether it's good help or bad help, that'll be, with, that'll be determined by how much effort you put into it. Now, I could put very little effort into a sermon and come in here and just <clears throat> tank. But the idea behind that is, is tanking is not in the eye of the listener. It's in the eye of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, let, uh, lots of variables to consider, but what I want you to understand is you don't have to be clones. God's going to supercharge your own, your own particular things in your life. He says there's difference of administration, but the same Lord. See that administration. God called some people to be in charge. Administrative. And then the next thing he says, there's operations. He says there's diversity of operations, but the same God with work with all along. There's some people that was called to lead, and there's some people that's called to be the operators. <laughs> In my mind, I'm thinking about Force Recon, Marines, Green Berets, or Navy SEALs, operators. Well, there's Christian operators. 
And somebody has to do the work. Somebody has to do the... And that's not to say that leaders don't have a lot of labor to do. But what I'm trying to say is they are different things. They're different callings. God calls some people to lead. God calls some people to, to operate, to do the things that the leaders are directing you to do. But it's the same God that you're serving. And when you pray to God, it's the same God that I pray to. And the same God that will help me lead is the same God that will help you perform the thing that you've been instructed to do. Very, very simple concept, isn't it? It says in verse number uh, 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So that's a very great thing. That uh, It's the Spirit. Now listen. The Spirit, once you find what God wants you to do and what God has gifted you to do and you say, yes, Lord, I will do this for you. I promise you with all my heart that you're not going to have to rely on the preacher stories anymore. Preacher gets up and preaching. He says, I was doing this and God showed up and did this miraculous thing. Listen, once you find out what God wants, I don't care if you're 12 years old. If at 12 years old you can find out what God has gifted you to do and start doing it, those miraculous things, the manifestation of the Spirit is going to show up in your life. Because God is not going to let you do, I don't care how old you are, I don't care if you're male or female, rich or poor, ugly or beautiful, makes no difference at all. If you'll find out what God wants you to do, God is going to show up and manifest Himself in your life just like He'll do Jonah, just like he'll do Isaiah, just like he'll do Pastor Ryman, just like he'll do Pastor Mike, God will show up and work in your behalf and in in the favor of the thing he's called you to do, just like anybody else. I've only been saved a month. So what? God will do it for you. I'm limited on my financial resources. So what? God will do it for you. If you'll find out what God wants you to do and do it, God will help you do it. He'll be there for you. That verse 7 is a a promise that God will manifest Himself in the thing that He called you to do. And I don't know how old Samuel was when he heard God's voice, but he heard it. He had no idea what it was. Uh, He went and asked a backslidden old man, what's going on? And at least the backslidden man had enough sense to say, hey, just answer, that's God talking to you. He growed from it. He, he grew from it. Amen. Now, look at verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Now, that's not this where all of a sudden you open your mouth and say some things and you didn't mean to say it, but it was great wisdom. No, the, the word of wisdom. To some of you guys, God is going to let you, when you read your Bible... God is going to open this book up so that you can counsel others and help others and teach others in a way that helps them not just understand facts, but now they've got a broader spiritual sense of things. Now, the next one's a word of knowledge, which means some of you just be able to teach others facts. And the word to you will be a word of knowledge. And God's not going to require you to solve people's problems. And I'll tell you this, one of, the thing, one of the things that the church is suffering from is that every preacher who gets called to preach thinks he has to solve everybody's problems. And what they're doing is meddling into something that's not their business. Amen? Amen. Amen. You say, where do you get the authority to say that? Right here. For some of God's people, it's a word of knowledge. Just teach people the facts. For some people, it's a word of wisdom. How can I help you with the situation that you're in? That's what that means. Some of you have one of those. Some of you don't. And I'm going to say this, that you may be in the administration category. You may be in the operation category. But both of those can have access to the Word of God in regards to wisdom and the Word of God in regards to knowledge. These things operate as the Spirit gives them. Some of you, listen, some of you will never be a pastor. But you can have more wisdom than your pastor. You say, why? Because it's the same Spirit. I know that there are men and women. I have met some women that really have more wisdom than some of the pastors that I've met. They're pastors, legitimate, not saying nothing about that. I'm just saying that if you ladies could apply yourself with 
diligence and a pastor is not he may be called but just being called doesn't mean he's applying himself doesn't mean he's seeking God's wisdom it doesn't mean that he's I mean there can be lazy pastors the Bible says in the book of Timothy that in a bit in a great house there's vessels of honor and there's vessels of dishonor and the church is a great big house yes sir you don't have to you don't have to limit yourself as far as what God wants you to do. You can be as good at it as you want to be. You say why? Because it's not it's not some ordination of man that opens these things up to you. It's your submission to God that's going to open these things up to you. Whether it be whether you be an administrator, an operator, whether you've got the ability to teach others, whether you've got the ability to guide others. Makes no difference. It's that it's that same God, that same Spirit that works in you. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kind of tongues. Uh, discerning of spirits. I couldn't tell you how many times that I've been in a service where one person will come to me and say, Brother Mike, there's something kind of weird about that preacher, isn't there? I'm like, well, go home and pray about it. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, I was thinking the same thing. But at the same time, one person was saying, something weird about this guy. Another person saying, amen! You say, why? Because everybody don't have the same gift of discernment. While you're saying, man, he shouldn't have said that, somebody else is getting a blessing. You say, how can you explain that? Wow. (laughs) Now we're talking about adding five hours to the sermon, but we're not going to do that. What I'm saying, though, is that I'm I'm as sure sure of this as I'm standing here today that God has a purpose for you you folks. I keep wanting to say kids, but that's only because I'm 50. I really don't look at you as kids. I really do look at you as aspiring adults because that's what I want you to be. If I have an expectation that you grow up to be a a mature Christian young man or woman, then I have to start dealing with you like that. Amen? Uh, And I have to lead you to that place. And Brother Mike has to lead you to that place. And that's a great challenge. And listen, we can't do it. I don't have the ability to make a man out of you. Uh, But you have the ability to follow my leadership. You have the ability to follow Brother Mike's leadership. So you know what that means? The responsibility is yours. I hope you follow.